Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we discuss sustainable impact investing, creating portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as we explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, how are you? Well, it's summer and that makes me happy. It is. Right. I'm glad you're happy. Yeah, but you know, we have COVID in the house. It uh, it has arrived. <laughs> so yeah. I am so far okay, but we'll see. Yeah, it's a. Uh... I'm sure there's got to be a song about COVID visiting everybody in all seasons. I'm sure there's a, a, a right of some kind. Somebody has done that. I I haven't looked, but if anyway. not, we need to get Johan on that. Oh, hmm, that's <laughs> a that's would a, he write a parody? <laughs> I don't know if Johan would write a parody. <laughs> <laughs> all we can do is it'd ask. Be, it could be it could be interesting. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I have an interesting topic for us today. Okay. I want to discuss what your financial roadmap looks like and what it should possibly look like. Maybe not you personally. I'm not going <laughs> to make you give me all the details yeah, of your my financial bank, bank account statements. <laughs> right, right, right. Th those are actually things we look at with clients, but mm -hmm. um, I, I'd like to take a look at what a financial roadmap should look like for, for folks. And also included in that is talking about some of the myths around money. So that's okay. what I have on tap today. Well, I, I think that that's important right now, right? Because with inflation, with interest rates mm -hmm. rising, with all the facts and or gibberish in the in the in mainstream media, people are concerned and people don't know, you know, where to go in a lot of cases. And obviously we give your contact information out on all these shows, but just being able to listen to a podcast that says, hey, look, let's talk about what's true, what's not true, and what some good helpful hints and tips are. I think everybody needs that right now. So I'm, I'm excited. This is going to be a great show. I think so too. I think it, you're right. It is perfect time to discuss this. Yeah. I'm going to jump right in and talk about the Myth number one here. All right. And that, I mean, there's a lot of myths, but I'm only going to really address three because otherwise we'd be here for 24 hours mm -hmm. <laughs> talking about it all. So myth number one that I have is, the myth is, if I make more money, I can get rich. Seems logical. Hmm. Yeah. Right? Right. Is that a myth? More, it, it, yeah. <laughs> well, it, let's talk about what's wrong with that thinking. Okay. So when you think, oh, I'll just make more money, we don't really talk about beyond income. We, we need to really look at what we're spending, mm -hmm. um, what our interest rates are on our home loans, our car loans. Do we have high credit card debt? Those types of things. So sometimes you cannot out earn the cost of money. Mm. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that, so the statement could be true, right? If I make more money or if we make more money, we can get rich. 
maybe the maybe the thing that would help that become more accurate would be at the end of it saying if i change my behaviors exactly yeah behavior and money go hand in hand right because we we tend to behave differently with money than we might with other things in our life yeah. i've talked about a number of ways to reduce spending and increase savings on on two specific podcasts podcast 38 and 54 if listeners want to go back and kind of get some really good ideas on how they can increase their savings and possibly reduce spending if necessary. So can I tell you a story about this? Please. I'm the proof that this is a myth (laughs) because (laughs) I remember I was 20, my wife and I were 23, right? About 23. And we were uh, moving to Nebraska from Washington, going to a place, and we've talked about it before, Boys Town, where you work with at-risk youth. Now, we were going from jobs that we probably combined made around $45,000 at that point in our life. And the way this worked at Boys Town was that they provided a house for you. The boys lived with you. They paid for all the groceries. You had a, a 15 passenger van that you drove everybody around in. So looking at it from the outside, you're like, okay, so now I have no bills when it comes to groceries. I have no bills when it comes to rent or mortgage or anything like that. And I remember telling my dad and the, the salary started close to 50,000 for the couple, you know, for us to go there. I remember telling my dad, oh man, we're going to be able to save at least $25,000 a year towards A, B, and C, you know, or retirement and all these different things. Right. Oh no. <laughs> I see. I see exactly where this is going. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's human nature, but it's also it, our maturity level at that point was not mature enough to actually be disciplined to save that money. We spent more. We got better cars than we had before. We went out to eat more. We went out to the movies more. Kim, you name it. We, it's we, we it's spent the money true. On it. It's yeah. true. You know, it, it's like our money increases, our income increases, but our expenses expand. And they're not necessarily required expenses. They are, and they're not frivolous. I don't want to call them frivolous because we should have entertainment in our life. Mm -hmm. We we need to have a reliable car, that kind of thing. But yes, sometimes folks do spend beyond their means, even if they're earning a really nice income. Yeah. You you said it right there. And that's, I think that's my takeaway or, or the takeaway is we need a reliable car. We didn't need a minivan with three TVs in it. And that's what we got. And right. so, yeah, I mean, so the reliable part of it, sure, it was reliable, but so was a car that was $20,000 less. <laughs> that would have been reliable. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and that is human nature. You're right. Yeah. You're right. All right. And, What's the next myth? Okay. So the next myth is the government, my spouse, uh, my parents will do this. They're going to all take care of me or one of them will take care of me when I'm older when I'm old, when I retire. So I don't have to save, right? I hear that from folks who are not necessarily clients, but we also, we think about that. Well, you know, I've got social security and, and, and that should be okay. It'll be sufficient. Or my parents are going to leave me money. So I don't need to save Mm. right now. Uh, (laughs) Well, what about if your parents get ill and have to spend the assets that they've saved that you think you're going to inherit? Mm Mm-hmm. We should never, ever count on someone else or something else to take care of us financially when we get older. I have some really interesting data around retirement income and, and risk around, around not having enough. There's a research study 
published by the Boston College Center for Retirement Research. Didn't know there was such yeah, a thing. I've never heard of it. <laughs> right? well, thank you for doing it. Boston <laughs> yeah. College Center. Right. They they published this index. Again, I haven't heard of this. It's a national retirement risk index. Hmm. Because everyone is at risk in some way. You know, and, and what this is doing, what this index does is it measures the share of American households that are at risk of being unable to maintain their pre-retirement standard of living. And that's hmm. something that we do talk about with clients a lot. We, you know, when we're, when we're doing financial projections, we want to know what your income is now. Do you want to, do you want to live on the same uh, amount of income or do you feel like you can live on less do those projections based on some data and some hard facts which is extremely important because a lot of times people think oh i'll spend less in retirement and that's not always true mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know we want to travel more we might have more medical expenses you know there's a lot of a lot of details that go into that but this data that we find shows that 50% of retirees from 2021 are at risk. 50% of all That's, of us. <laughs> wow. So on one hand, I thought it was going to be a bigger number, mm -hmm. but at the same time, 50% is still terrible. Well, it is terrible. Yes. And in terms of being a bigger number, it gets worse the older your household gets. Mm. And we're going to talk about some of those okay. numbers. But before I get to that, I want to look at this analysis from the Boston College Center for Retirement Research. They have done this every year for about seven decades now in terms of looking up this data and, and providing it to us. So actually, the information that we're looking at for 2021, which is that 50% of retirees are at risk for not having enough income in retirement comes from data from 2019. So what's the problem oh, with that? Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying, okay, so their analysis is, from 2019 is pointing to those that are retiring in 2021. Am I understanding that correctly? No, not quite. This is, this data is, was created mm -hmm. based on, well, not this data, the, the projections were created on data from 2019. Correct. Right. And so what, what that means is incomes were high. People were employed. We were saving reasonably okay. Mm -hmm. And then what's happening now? More people oh, since COVID have been underemployed, unemployed. They didn't work. They weren't saving. They may have been increasing their debt. And then here we are in 2022 with inflation really shooting up to the stars <laughs> practically, yeah. although actually it's not as bad as it's been in, in previous times. So the conclusion that this retirement organization or the Boston College came up with is that while half of today's households won't have enough income for retirement, um, in, in order to maintain their pre-retirement standard of living, nobody mm -hmm. wants to live, you know, worse than they did at the height of their income, that even if these 
people, all these retirees think about doing annuitization of their assets, which means they would have a guaranteed income for life for a period of time. Mm -hmm. They still will not have enough assets for retirement. And that is scary. Mm. It was interesting to me when I was looking at some of this data and, you know, they show both median income averages and mean income averages. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get this mean median flipped around in my brain. And I think a lot of people do. So let's just do a quick definition please, yeah, of what the two of them are so that we can, can look at some of this data. When we talk about mean retirement income, it's literally the average income that's calculated on each household and dividing that number by the number of households. So we're talking about the poorest households and the very, very wealthiest households. And it's just that middle number average divided by households. Hmm. So it, this number is a little deceiving yeah, because those households that are earning the highest wages highly overcompensate those households that are earning the lowest income. We've heard statistics before that like the top 5% of households earn like 95% of the income. <laughs> so yeah. that's really going to skew data when you're using a mean retirement income number. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, you, you've got to throw out the Bezos household, the, the Buffett <laughs> right. household, the, I mean, you've got to throw out a few of those because that's, they're just ridiculously Right. Right. I mean, that's just, wow. Elon Musk, we got to throw yeah, out his. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We have to throw out those incomes, but then also do we throw out the bottom numbers too? And where is that line? So. Well, the what, line's a lot closer from the bottom to the middle than it is the middle to the top. That's what I'm thinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And, and so when we look at this data, I think it's more interesting and helpful to, to look at the median retirement income. So let's define median. All right. So median income is determined by organizing all of the income from low to high, and then we find the exact middle of incomes. So we're not dividing by households. We're just saying this is a, a low income and this is the highest income. And then we find the number in the middle. Got it. Okay. It's, well, that, that seems a bit more accurate because that's definitely going to be, you know, there's only a handful of people, you know, making a billion a year or whatever. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. So this number is a little more represented in my opinion with these big divergence in income levels that we've seen over the last few decades, those, you know, billionaires, and then those folks who have to rely on housing assistance and food stamps or, you know, food assistance, those types of things. It's a big difference. So if we look at median, I think it gives us a better data point to look mm -hmm. at. So when we look at this recent data, well, well let's, let me take a step back. So we, we want to look at retirement income. What does retirement income really look like? Okay. And there is data on the 2022 average household retirement income. So Here's the, here's where we really see the difference. If we look at mean income, which was that first definition we talked about where it seems a little skewed, 
the mean income is around 71,500. But that's down from 2019, not surprisingly, right? Yeah. The median income is 46.4. Okay. So $46,000. So the real number that we want to look at here is that most retirees, the average line of retirees income is around $46,000 a year. And scary enough, 2019 numbers was 56,000 median income. That's a $10,000 drop. Yeah. Almost 20%. Yeah. And so that's what our retirees are living on. Mm. The average retiree in this country. The other thing we see is that the older a household gets, the more their income drops. What do you mean by that? Well, they're going, you know, as you get older, you're going to have spent maybe the savings you had, you're going to start using up your retirement. And so your income is going to go down Hmm. as you get older, if you don't have sufficient savings. And that is where we see a bigger problem. What are we going to do when we run out of other sources of income? Yeah. At at that age, you know, I don't know if your kidney is even viable to be sold. (laughs) (laughs) Not a good idea. And not not suggesting that by any means, but yeah, we got trouble at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was funny, but not funny, right? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. You know, there's a reason why we want to look at these numbers. And, And again, it goes back to we have to take care of ourselves. We can't expect someone else to take care of us, you know, whether it's a spouse who had a higher earning wage over time, you know, we all know Mm -hmm. that divorce happens. So we don't want to count on that. We also can't expect to have large sums of money dropping in our lap, you know, unless you're playing the lottery quite regularly. Mm. (laughs) Let's see. Probably not a good retirement plan. No, I don't, I don't recommend that as a retirement plan. <laughs> so, so most people, their income falls dramatically as they get older, as I mentioned. And I, ha- I do have some numbers because I know how you love numbers. So if we look at the average retirement age of 65, the median income, and we're just going to stick with median income, is around $58,000. And that was, that's you know between 65 and 70. For households that are aged 70 to 74, that number drops to 50,000 annually. And for households that are 75 and older, we're looking at about $37,000 in income. Now, I don't know about you, but in Santa Fe, you can't live on that. No, you you cannot live on that. And, and, you know, most of California, Denver area, I just, thinking of all these places where the um, cost of living has gotten to be so high. This data information came from actually the Census Bureau's survey Mm. in terms of income. Also, this, I mean, we talk about this all the time. Those folks who are, well, women and minorities, the black and indigenous and people of color, tend to earn substantially less. And so their retirement is also probably going to be much lower than these numbers that I've just talked about. Mm -hmm. So there's a big concern. Yeah. 
And this is going to roll into myth number three. Well, inflation won't be that bad. And this hmm. is a very common thing that we have heard over and over again in the last 10, 15 years. Inflation has been extremely low. So when inflation is really low, we think, oh, well, my money, you know, if you're thinking about it economically, my money's going to go farther. Inflation's going to stay low. I don't have to worry so much about saving quite enough. But let's look at some facts here. In the 1970s, in that decade, inflation averaged over that 10 year period, seven and a quarter percent. Ouch. Mm. <laughs> Right. And in the 80s, it averaged 5.8%. Slight improvement. So, slight improvement, right? In the 80s. But wow, was it painful to buy a house in the 80s? Oh, yeah. Uh, interest rates were very high. In the 2009 or the 2000 to 2009 decade, interest inflation rates averaged about 2.5%, which is great. Yeah, that's good. When we do financial planning, we always assume a long-term average inflation rate of about 3%. And between those very high numbers and the last decade, which was inflation of about one and three quarter percent, mm. we're still averaging 3%. So even if we had a really great decade where inflation was low, very low, it's not going to stay that way. You know, 3% is pretty significant when you're looking at income. Yeah. So when you, when you have a, you know, technically the number is 3.1, but we'll just use three. So when you have an inflation rate of 3%, that means your cost of living doubles every 20 years. Hmm. If you retire at 65 and you need $70,000 worth of income to live on, at age 85, that means you need $140,000 of income. And I just mentioned previously a minute or two ago that our income reduces as we get older. So yeah. we need more, but we have less to live off of. So it sounds like a pretty big problem. It is. <laughs> I'm, a big I'm no problem. mathematician, Kim. <laughs> But I'm telling you right now, those numbers don't work out very well. They're not really quite adding up, right? And I think what the importance of looking at these numbers is the earlier we start planning, more than likely the better off we'll be. Of course, there's no guarantees in life, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> in terms of our income, where we're going to go, how much we can save, whether we have unexpected expenses like illnesses, taking care of children, those types of things. but my point here is planning, planning for the future. <laughs> I feel like a broken record sometimes, but planning can make all the difference. It, you know, if you're having a big wedding for 250 people, you're not going to just tell people to show up and not have looked at all the details beforehand. You're mm -hmm. going to plan. Uh, when you're having children, you also want to plan, you know, you have nine months to plan and get prepared. But often people do not plan for retirement. And sometimes they do plan, but not well enough. So that's what we really need to focus on here is, is planning, you know, especially when we're in this very big rocky market, 
Mm-hmm. You know, that we're in a bear market currently. We had a decade of mostly bull market run, you know, 10 years. It was great. It was a great ride, let me tell you. But <laughs> it's, the ride's got to end at some point, right? So here we are in a bear market, which means the S&P is down 20% or more. And that can be painful. I want to remind folks that when the market's down, it's on sale. So let's, uh, let's buy when the market's on sale, not when it's high, it's a great time to buy, but this is when people get scared, which is also why it's so important to have a plan when you have a plan and you're thinking, okay, my plan is to invest in my retirement account at $500 or a thousand dollars or whatever type of plan you have available to you each month. You don't want to stop now. Mm-hmm. when the market's down. And, and that is our instinct to do that. So that's an, that's an important p- thing to do. Yeah. But I, th- I think all these, again, going back to the plan, right? All of these different pieces work together. You would hope that somebody who is retiring, the hope is that they would no longer have a mortgage, right? That their home is paid off. So maybe that's a bill that they can take off their table. That That's the hope. Right. Not always the case, but the hope. You, you hope that they have something, you know, some sort of retirement investment that will grow with inflation. So it kind of goes along those lines. You had mentioned, you know, annuities as a possibility to help people out. Again, I think anybody who understands planning whatsoever, I mean, just the very top level planning understands that there are, there have to be multiple pieces involved to be able to accomplish the goals that you want to accomplish. Exactly. There are many pieces of this pie that we are literally putting back together mm-hmm. in this process. I want to mention too, I'm not a fan of annuities and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. With most annuities, once you have annuitized them, you cannot make changes. So if you had a sudden very large expense that you needed money for and you've annuitized all your assets... Oh, yeah. uh, then you can't get at that those additional funds. And so we have to be very careful looking at annuities for clients. So let me, let me ask you this, because it, that is a fantastic point. But what I heard there is if you're annuitizing all your assets, that, that's the same thing as putting all your eggs in one basket. Exactly. So do annu- annuities play a part in your opinion when you have other pieces in place and you don't annuitize everything you've got, but is there such thing as a good small annuity? There is such thing as a, as a good annuity. I, I never recommend annuitizing retirement plans Mm -hmm. because you can lose out on beneficiary options. So it makes no sense to do that. But if you have other assets and you want to take part of those and maybe put them in an annuity that you can later annuitize or not, then that can make sense for some people, especially if you have a high income, if you're in a high income bracket mm-hmm. and you want to reduce income and you don't want to pay taxes right now on, on capital gains, stashing some money in an annuity might make sense. I've also had older clients who have used up a lot of their money and, you know, cause they're older, they're maybe 80, 85, 90. I literally had an 87 year old client who had gotten down to very a very small amount in her account and well under a hundred thousand. So we looked at her options, and I don't sell annuities. I want to make that clear. I don't sell annuities, but I did recommend that she do an immediate annuity mm-hmm. with her assets that were left 
so that she would have the older you are, the more they give you <laughs> in a monthly or yearly yeah, income. Yeah. Right. So for her, it was very helpful to just annuitize those assets. And she lived for another six or seven years and mm-hmm. she would have run out of money if we hadn't done that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah no. there are times when annuities do make sense. Which brings me to my last point of this podcast is that everybody's situation is different. Every piece of the puzzle, you you look at every piece, right? And then you put it together to to help build that picture for folks. Exactly. So please let them know how they can get a hold of you because people need to plan. We're not beating a you know a drum here for the purpose of just making a racket. If you don't have a plan, I mean, what is it? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I hate the saying, but doggone, it's so true. So what's the best way to get a hold of you, Kim? Right. So if you want help with your plan, if you want to look at your investments and your entire picture, you can reach us at info at horizonssfs.com or the old fashioned way. You can call us on the phone. (laughs) It's 505-982-9661. We really want to be part of your trusted advisor circle and help you create a plan. Yeah. So contact hey, us. Can I, can I give them a sneak peek of what the next podcast is going to have in it? Yeah, please do. Well, I don't know much about it, but I've, you told me I that we're going to be taking a quiz. Yes, I have a quiz, <laughs> financial <laughs> quiz, an interesting financial quiz. So maybe I'll send it to you ahead of time, Eric, and you can do it. All right. Yeah. That'd be and fun. Then, yeah. And then we'll talk about it. Okay. All right. Sounds good, Kim. Thank you so much for your time today. It's always a pleasure to be with you and, and have these conversations. So, well, thank you. I feel the same. And of course, to you, our listeners, we feel the same that you're here. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually helps others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizons Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, email us at kim at horizonssfs.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at horizonssustfin or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers. 
with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.